0: Welcome to Java and Jesus. I'm Linda Davis. And before we dive into God's word today, just a little about myself. I love Jesus, I love coffee, and I love sharing keys to abundant living. So if you can, go grab a cup of coffee and join me today as we talk about how our thinking shapes our lives and impacts absolutely everything around us. Our thoughts matter, and we have to. We're the only ones that can do this. We have to stop the spin-out in our mind sometimes. The small thought that we allow, we give it a little time to get to a bigger thought, bigger, bigger, bigger thought. So we have to figure out how to stop that spin-out from happening. And I think sometimes, even in the middle of the crazy, even in in the middle of the thought beginning and then starting to grow, and then when it's just full-blown in the wrong direction, I think we know we have to stop the spin-out, but we don't do it. Either in our own minds, we allow ourselves to justify the role we're on, And we don't control, we don't rein in the direction our mind is going in. And when our mind is headed in a direction, then it ends up impacting our behavior. And when our mind's headed in a direction and impacts our behavior, that ends up impacting relationships around us. And it ends up being bigger than it ever should have been. So we don't really control, and I think people get frustrated at times because a thought pops into their head uh, a memory pops into your head and an old way of thinking pops into your head randomly and we don't control that like we it just pops in there it's like why why did I even think just think that but we do control what we do with that thought once that thought is there. We choose in that moment to either starve out the thought, or feed it and give it room to grow. It's one or the other. You know, say say somebody's made a comment in passing, you know, whether um, it's an acquaintance at work, it's an acquaintance at church, it's a closer relationship, it's a family member, a good friend, and they made a comment that hurt our feelings a little bit. And later on, that comes back into our mind and the thought of our hurt feelings, however that may go. Now, we have that moment, no, I'm not going to think that. That's ridiculous. That's not what was meant. I'm not going to go there. Or we have the thought to let that grow. Why did they say that? What did they? And now we're trying to figure out what they meant when they didn't mean anything at all. Or we just need to approach them and ask them if they meant how we took it, because We allow those little thoughts to come in, and how do we feed them? We pay attention to them. We dwell on them. We try to figure it out on our own, in our heads, and now we're impacting a relationship that really, maybe uh, maybe the comment was wrong, but it wasn't a slight. It wasn't an intended slight, and we've let it grow into that, and slowly the relationship ends up fading away or quickly. So we're the only ones that can stop this spin. We must be self-controlled in all areas of our life. And this includes, especially, I would say, our thinking, because our thinking leads to everything else. Being self-controlled is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's listed in Galatians 5.22. I mean, there are so many scriptures on just our thoughts alone. There's so many books on how we think, what we think, what do we do, you know, <clears throat> everything that's going on up there. But if you just stick to the Bible and the scriptures alone on our thinking, you, you could be in it for days, months, years, really. And it goes to show you, even back when the Bible was being written, there was a foresight by the Holy Spirit that this was going to continue to be an issue for the till the end of time, our thoughts. So one of my favorites, and probably most of you are very familiar with, is Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, right? Be transformed. How? How does it say to be transformed? By the renewal of your mind. Renewing your mind, I would say daily, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We cannot be transformed but by the renewing of our minds. If we don't renew our minds, in other words, to think like Christ thinks, to think on the things that Christ said to think on, to think on the things that Paul said to think on in Philippians 4, 8, and I'm going to get to that a little further along, but our thoughts should always lead back to Philippians 4.8 and come underneath one of those umbrellas, so to speak. But we have the mind of Christ, and when we don't allow our minds to be renewed to be like the mind of Christ, then we cannot discern what the will of God is, according to Romans 12.2. We can't do it. We can't discern what He's trying to say to us, where He's trying to bring us and what he wants us to do because our minds are not renewed. When we begin to renew our minds, and, it, and it's a process, and it's daily, then we begin to think like God thinks. We need to discipline our minds into activating the mind of Christ. And when we have the mind of Christ, we know and we do the will of God. And I wanna, I wanna say this, we aren't looking to just make our thoughts different. We're looking to transform and renew our minds, right? We can't just make our thoughts different. We have to be transformed and renew our minds. We have to recognize what thoughts are of God and what thoughts are not of God. When we completely transform our minds, then we have transformed our thinking. And now we're coming from a heavenly perspective of what God says versus a worldly perspective of what does what I see and feel say to me. And most times when we're spinning out of control, we are going by what does what I see and feel say to me versus what is God saying? What's the truth of the situation? Like I mentioned earlier, Philippians 4.18, it's the litmus test. Does what you're thinking come under one of these tabs, so to speak? Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. If it doesn't, you got to get rid of it. We come into agreement with the things that come underneath one of those tabs. And when we do that, we're in agreement with the thoughts that are of God. So you have to ask yourself, And it will take self control. It will take disciplines. It will take a training for sure. But you have to ask yourself when you feel yourself beginning to spin, is what you're battling in your mind from God's perspective or is it a worldly reality? And when we can transform ourselves to recognize when it's coming from a worldly reality and step back and gain God's perspective then we are beginning to be transformed. Our minds are beginning to be renewed, and we have clarity. We have freedom. We know God, we know His voice, and we have His peace. You can have the whole word of God memorized, but if you haven't allowed the renewal of your mind, you remain powerless and unchanged. Your behaviors are not those that glorify God. They are not from the heavenly perspective, but the worldly perspective. I don't want a worldly perspective. I want to know what God says about the situation. And most times it goes against the worldly perspective. We change our whole lives when we renew our minds with God and His Word and His truths. Learning to replace our self-focused, self-concerning thoughts. And really, that's exactly what anxiety and worry and offense all root from. They're all a root of self. When you're in anxiety, when you, when you have worry, when you get offended, if you, if you roll back to what it started, it's a focus on self. Whether it's justified or not, it's still a focus on self. With a God-focused mindset, which I want to remind you, takes time. So give yourself a little grace, but not too much grace. But a God-focused mindset brings freedom to function as God intended us to function for his kingdom and be used for his purposes. So what do I mean by freedom? Let me ask you this. And this is a question only you can answer to yourself. It doesn't even do you any good to raise your hand and answer it in a group. Do your thoughts have control over you? or do you have control over your thoughts? Are you a prisoner of your thoughts, or do you captivate your thoughts and put them in a prison? Which is it? I want you to really think about this. I read something recently that was really, really good, and this is what I pulled from it. This is Linda's translation of what I read. Our emotions, so re- re- our emotions and our thoughts are so closely linked together. Almost like faith and trust are so closely linked together. So our emotions lead to our thoughts. So when we don't keep our emotions in check, they lead to thoughts that are from a worldly perspective. Our thoughts, for good or for bad, dictate our decisions. They dictate us making a worldly decision or a heavenly decision. Our decisions determine our behavior. Even the small decisions. I'm gonna choose to be aggravated today. I'm gonna choose to be frustrated today. I'm gonna choose to be aggravated or frustrated at work. I'm gonna choose to be aggravated or frustrated with the people at church, in the church body. I'm gonna choose to be aggravated or frustrated with my spouse, with my family, okay? And when you choose that, you're gonna dictate your decisions And making that decision now determines your behavior. And your behavior shapes all of your relationships. That's powerful. And therein, right there, we have the consequences of our thought life for the good or for the bad. You need to rein in your own thoughts and make sure they're coming from a heavenly perspective of what is God's truth and even the smallest things in your life. You can't minimize some of the things as, oh, that doesn't really matter. It does, it impacts your relationships. You may not see it, but it is, and it does. How different, let me ask you this, how different do you think relationships, your relationships would look if all of your thoughts are self-focused? How different do you think those same relationships, let let me reword this question. Think of the most important relationships in your life to you. The most important ones is the ones you treasure the most. Think of five people. I don't want, go up to 10 if you have a lot of people. (laughs) I would be devastated if I lost any of these people, the relationship I have with them. Okay, so now, how different are those relationships if your thoughts are self-focused or your thoughts are God-focused? Is it me, me, me? Am I always thinking about myself? Actually, most times when you're thinking about yourself, Or it's always about self, you're actually very unaware of that. But if you can stop when your thoughts, when you know, I'm frustrated right now, I'm irritated right now, I'm hurt right now, I'm offended right now, I'm getting worried right now, I'm getting anxious right now, you have to stop and say, Is this a self focused worldly perspective or is this a God focused heavenly perspective? We can be transformed by allowing and contending for the renewing of our minds. How? We have a scripture for that. <laughs> we take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 6. I mean, this this scripture in the Philippians 4, 8, in the Romans 12, 2, that sums up our thinking. That sums up getting our thoughts in line Doing what those verses say will bring so much freedom in your mind. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses four through six tell us the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power power to destroy strongholds, power to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and to take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That is a couple of power-packed verses right there. What thoughts? What thoughts are we supposed to destroy? What thoughts are we supposed to take captive? every single thought. Like I said earlier, there's no little thoughts. There's no big thoughts. Every thought we take captive. Every thought we destroy the argument of that thought. Every single one. If we're being told to do this by Paul, then it's possible to do. I don't want you to say, oh, that's there's no way we're being directed to do this. If we're being directed to do this, then it is possible. We take every thought as our prisoner, not our thoughts keeping us a prisoner. I don't want you to miss that. We take every thought as our prisoner, not our thoughts keeping us as prisoners. And it takes effort, it takes training, it takes being still and knowing that God is God. And allowing him access into our heart to show us why we can't take some things captive. Why are we taunted by certain thoughts? Why do we have certain responses, habitual responses to certain situations? If we don't make the difficult effort to line up our thoughts, to stop the spin out, our thoughts Our emotions and our feelings will continue to call the shots in our lives and impact our behavior and impact every relationship in our life. And maybe the relationships are decent, but how much better could they be if your mind was God-focused? God's more interested, and I'll say this because a lot of times our thoughts are on somebody else and what they need to do, and how they need to change, and how ridiculous they are, and we're passing judgment on them, and probably comparing them, and rating them against ourselves. And honestly, that doesn't—that keeps us prisoner, because God's more interested in working on you, and working on me, than he is anybody else, that we think God needs help <laughs> to, to straighten out, right? Or anything that we're trying to be the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life, let God be God to them and you deal with your own thinking because our thoughts can get captivated up in how much everybody else needs to improve and where everybody else's faults are, that's actually self-focused because when you're, when you're um, criticizing somebody else, being critical of somebody else's nature or behavior, you're elevating self. So again, that focus is on self. So what are the weapons of our warfare, right? Second Corinthians said, we have weapons of warfare. What are those weapons? Some strongholds that mess with our thinking, our self-importance. We've already talked about most of these. Well, maybe not actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Offense, isolation, complacency, victimhood, cynicism, being skeptical, critical, and anxiety, And what are the weapons, some of the weapons for that? Humility, walking in humility, extending forgiveness, having connection, right? Do not forsake the fellowshipping together. It's not about just attendance on a Sunday morning. It's about being connected. Are we connected? Being intentional, having gratefulness and thankfulness in our lives. Walking in the delight of the Lord, delighting ourselves in the Lord walking in the joy of the lord having that is his strength and trusting him there are actually a trade off there we trade off we get rid of self importance and we walk in humility we get rid of offense by extending forgiveness we're not in isolation when we're connected to others we're not complacent if we're intentional we won't be in that victimhood mentality if we're thankful and grateful We won't be skeptical and critical if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord and walking in the joy of the Lord. We won't have anxiety if we truly trust Jesus. We replace the thoughts that are strongholds with the thoughts that are a God-focused perspective and those become our weapons. And we do not have to spin out of control in our thinking. Again, and I can't say this enough, this will take time. It will take intentionality and diligence, but we're worth it. The freedom we will feel on the other side of it is so worth it. I want to jump back onto Philippians four eight for a moment. And the whatever is noble, just, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. We're told think about those things. This this is a key to abundant living. This is how we are unshakable. This is how we remain steady in the storms. I want it to be said about me, she was steady in the storm. And if I'm steady in a storm, it's because I have had God's perspective. I have asked him, show me the truth of the situation in the unexpected of life. And there will be those for each and every one of us. What you choose to think on determines your reality. That's powerful. And that's the thing. That's how people get lost or even led astray or distracted. They're thinking on something. They think on it so much. They churn it in their mind so much. It becomes their reality and their truth, regardless of what the word of God says against that reality or truth. They have embedded it into their mind and their heart. It becomes their behavior and it impacts their relationships. You have the power. Think about this. You have the power to change your reality by what you think on. And if you just thought, yeah, right, well, that proves my point. (laughs) And that means things need to change in your thinking. Another one that really confirms this, another scripture, is Proverbs 23, 7. What does it say? As someone thinks within himself, so he is. We're never victims. We're never survivors. Don't don't. I could label myself a victim. I could label myself a survivor. I refuse. No. You can call me an overcomer. Because why? The Bible tells me I am more than a conqueror. I'm more than that. You're more than that. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You are not a victim. You are not a survivor. Revelations twelve eleven tells us this, and they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. You're not speaking what you're not thinking. You're not thinking what's not in your heart. How are we overcomers? By the blood of Jesus. By the word of our testimony. What are you saying? What you are saying is a direct reflection of your thoughts. Your thoughts are a direct reflection of the condition of your heart. It tells us this in Luke chapter six, verse 45. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words are very telling. Very telling of what we've been thinking on and what we ponder in our hearts. Our words can tell us about us. <laughs> and you know what? Others too. You, you wanna figure out where somebody is is. You want to figure out if you should connect with that person, link up with that person, uh, you know, um, connect, overlap your net with them. Listen, just take some time and listen to their words first. You learn a lot just by listening because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We talked earlier in 2 Corinthians about casting down those vain imaginations, right? Taking every thought captive. But we need to do more than just get rid of the thought. We do need to. Like when, when you were like, what is that thought? Like I kind of pictured, literally you take your hand, of course, this is more spiritually in, in the mind, but physically, if you have a, need a picture of it, you take your hand to your forehead, you pull that thought out and you throw it hard to the ground. That's casting down, throwing violently down to the ground. Now you got to do something about it. Now you got to fill that place. You got to renew that mind. You got to be self-controlled in your thoughts. And it can start for you today. Whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, whatever is commendable, those things, think on those things. And you know what? Do a fake it till you make it. If you have a thought, honestly, a a lot of times our thoughts are repeat patterns of previous thoughts. You have this, you begin to recognize that It's not truth. It doesn't line up with God's word. It's not a heavenly perspective. You have a choice right then to stop thinking that thought. But when you stop thinking that thought, you have to replace it with Jesus. (laughs) You have to replace it with scripture or worship or biblical truth of some portion. Replace it with thoughts of truth. Find a scripture that's opposite of the thought you just have had that eliminates the thought you just had. You tell your mind what to think. And then once you renew renewed the mind, the heart will be renewed. And if you can't renew a particular area, it's telling you, you gotta dig deeper in your heart. There's a root there and you go for that root and you get healed in that area. And you begin to step in true freedom in Christ. You tell yourself, no, I'm not spinning out today. I'm gonna think on something that glorifies God. I'm a child of the Most High. There are plans for me. They're good plans. They're plans to prosper. They're not plans for destruction. My life is not going to be a mess. They're not plans for evil. I have the mind of Christ. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a whole new creation in Christ. I've been given all authority. Tell yourself those things long enough, and your heart will begin to believe them. And don't miss something else about 2 Corinthians. It does not only tell us to take every thought captive. But what does it tell us to do after that? Make it obedient to Christ. Never stood out to me until last week when I was studying on this. Make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? We are the authoritarian of our thoughts. We tell our minds what to think on. We allow it to have a heavenly perspective or a worldly perspective. We're the parent of our brain, so to speak. We can absolutely tell our minds No, no, you're not going there today. This is how you're going to think today. We have a choice what we think on, and we must remember that. And let me say this. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, how strong and how steady you are in the Lord. Thoughts try and enter in for each and every one of us. They just will pop out of the blue. And we all have to stop, each and every one of us, on a given day and say, not today. Not today, mind. You're lining up with the Word of God. And I'm going to go find and pull a scripture that contradicts what my mind just thought. So it's being replaced with the truth of God's Word. I have a choice. You have a choice. I'm the boss of my thoughts. You're the boss of your thoughts. I take my thoughts prisoner, not the other way around. And you can do it too. And sometimes. We don't have a choice about the circumstances we find ourselves in, but we absolutely have a choice on how we respond and where our thoughts go with it. What do I do? What is my choice? I choose to trust God. We have to discipline ourselves through self-control and step back in any circumstance and tell ourselves. If we have to tell ourselves every other second, I choose to trust God. I can't even tell you how many times I've said that over and over in my mind or even out loud when I found myself in situations I didn't see coming or a random thought that pops in that I don't know why it showed up. No, I choose to trust God. I choose to trust you, God. Father, I choose to trust you. I'm going to trust you no matter what. If I have to convince myself that day, no matter what, I'm trusting you today, God. Remember, we have divine power to destroy strongholds. It's not on my own I do that. It's not on your own that you'll do that. Lord, help me today. Strengthen me. I choose to trust you, right? What did the centurion say? Help me in my disbelief. If we're feeling disbelief, we cry out to God to help us, and he will help us. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we make our thoughts obedient to Christ. We've been given this power, this ability. We are not renewed in our minds when we let our thoughts run rampant like a spoiled child. Talking about the parenting thing. We're the parent. We gain control over our mind. We discipline our mind. We've all seen that child that throws a fit, undisciplined, mouthy to its parents. There's hardly any parental control. Think about that with your thoughts. Your thoughts throw a fit. It starts as one small little thing like a little child will say, no, I'm not doing that. Okay, there you go. There's the challenge right there. That little thought comes in our head. There's the challenge. What are you going to do in that moment? As a parent, are you going to give in to your kid? As the parent of your thinking, are you going to give in to the thought? And if you give in to the thought, you lose control and your mind is in a full-blown fit about something that didn't need to go where it went. And it robbed you. It robbed you of time, it robbed you of peace, and it robbed your relationships of moments you'll never get back. So shake it off and get up the next day and say, today, I'm doing it differently. Today, I'm gonna be disciplined in my mind. I'm lining up my mind with the mind of Christ. That's the mind I'm putting on that helmet of salvation. I'm doing all those things. I'm walking with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is absolutely not easy. 100% agree. It takes time. It takes training of our minds and it takes repetitiveness. But the sooner we grab that thought, the moment we recognize it's not a thought that is lovely, just, pure, praiseworthy, honorable, excellent, commendable, the sooner we notice this and grab it and expel it from our mind violently, and shift to the goodness of God, the better off we are. And we do it again and again and again and again and again (laughs) and again. And now we're taking our thoughts prisoner instead of our thoughts taking us prisoner. Because I promise you, Satan's going to keep coming for the ugly thoughts. He's just going to pop a thought in your mind and run off until he knows that no longer impacts you like it used to. Then he's not going to waste his time. Let's shift our ugly thoughts to cause us to dig deeper in the Lord instead of digging us deeper into worry, stress, anxiety, fear, insecurities, depression, isolation, et cetera. Fill in the blank there. Which would you rather it be? I'd rather be thinking about whatever's lovely, just, pure, praiseworthy, commendable, excellent, et cetera, basically, versus the stress, the worry, the anxiety, the fear, the insecurities, all those things but I'm going to have to be self-controlled through the help of the Holy Spirit if I'm going to do it. Go to Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And what does it say? Against such things, there is no law. There is nothing that can withstand us walking in the fruit of the Spirit. But I'll say this, that's a tall order. But, We make our thoughts obedient to Christ, as Paul said to do in the second Corinthians, right? Chapter 10. We do that. How do we do that? Well, Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruits of the Spirit. Starting at the verse 22. If you go back a few verses, you've got your key. Starting at verse 16. But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, we have to control ourselves to do this, discipline ourselves to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. (laughs) They are, like, there's an inner war going on here to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But, but, let's capitalize that. Let's underline that and bold it, highlight it. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, as we mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Powerful. Are we going to be held captive or are we going to take our thoughts captive? And we've got to just kill the flesh. That's the truth of it, which means we have to walk by the Spirit. We have to know the truth of God's Word. We have to have the sword of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, even when we, do, especially, I'll say especially when we don't feel like it because that's the most dangerous time. When we have th- when we have. Thoughts of justification in our mind. Well, they, but I. I don't know. What's next? Yeah, but. Those are self-focused thoughts. All thoughts that aren't lined up to godly thinking are thoughts of the flesh. And if you really begin to notice, maybe you have to journal it, you really begin to notice your thought life, where the downward spin starts, you'll see the focus was self. If we don't allow our thinking to get out of control, then our emotions would not get out of control. Our behavior would not get out of control and our relationships would not be impacted. Show me the truth of the situation. I don't wanna go by my feelings. I don't wanna go by my emotions in this. I wanna know how you see it, God. I need to see beyond the situation, beyond the circumstance that's in front of me. It's like looking around a mountain. You gotta look over and it's hard. I say a mountain because that's hard. Right? Look around the mountain to see the goodness on the other side. And when you do that, you choose to climb the mountain because what's on the other side is worth it. It's worth it. Remember this the mind is the strongest muscle we have, so to speak. And a mistake we make is thinking we can manage our emotions. We cannot. That is not casting down. Managing is not casting down. Managing is not destroying. Managing is not aggressively removing our thoughts. It's kind of like laying them down for a nap because they'll wake up on another day. (laughs) Always, 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 when you feel the spin starting, stop and ask yourself, what does God say about the thought I'm having? Where does it come from? What's the real reasoning behind it? Show me the truth. The facts, the facts that you're looking at and the truth of God are usually two different things because one's a worldly perspective and one's a heavenly perspective. God will show you his truth of your thought or your situation if you ask him to and you wait on him to answer you. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can break these unhealthy thought patterns in our minds. If we ask God to show us the truth, we wait upon his answer and we respond and trust his answer. Remember, our weapons are mighty. They have divine power. What does that say? It says there's going to be a battle. There's a battle and there's an enemy and he's not playing. And the biggest battle is in our minds. And the enemy knows it and he goes for our thinking. We've been given the weapons. I would say two powerful weapons. The first one would be the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And knowing what God says about his plans and purposes, knowing his word, his intention of his word, what he has done in the past, what he says he will do in the future, what his promises are, and how we walk in his righteousness, and what his word says about us. Those are truths we have to grab hold of. The second weapon we have is the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, our guide. These are all titles of his, our counselor, our helper. He leads us into all truth. He is our might. He is our wisdom. He is our understanding. In the fear of the Lord, all of this comes from the Holy Spirit. You can go look at this in Isaiah eleven two 2 if you want. I'm not going to read it today, but all those things are from the Spirit. And when we combine the Word of God with the Spirit of God, we will absolutely be more than conquerors in all things. That's what Romans 8, 37 tells us in all things, we are more than conquerors. As a matter of fact, it actually says, no, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors. In all what things? We have to ask ourselves. That's how I read the word. I see that. I'm like, what? He's saying no in all these things. What things? Well, you have to, this is in Romans eight thirty seven. You have to go read Romans 8 to find out. And so I did that last week. I went to Romans 8, and in in my version of the Bible, I have the English Standard Version, and when I open it up to Romans 8, that chapter is titled, Life Through the Spirit. These are a few things we are more than conquerors over by life in the Spirit. Condemnation, weaknesses, mindset on fleshly thoughts, death, hostility towards God's truth, unrighteousness, sin, slavery to fear, an orphan mentality, and failure. The word of God and the spirit of God equip you to guard your mind from any thought that would lead you away from God, lead you away from the truth of who he is. If you're in the word of God, guided by the Holy Spirit, you will never get away from the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are in him. Now we have other weapons. You can go read Ephesians 6 and the whole armor of God right? It's truth. It's righteousness. It's the gospel, our salvation. It's knowing God's word. It's prayer. Go study that out. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I want to leave you with this encouraging scripture, and I want you to ponder it. And it's the plea of my heart for each of you, is that you would choose between life and death. That's what Deuteronomy 30, 19 tells us. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live.